Welcome to the ATS RCMB podcast. Today we are excited to have Professor Scott Rendell joining us to discuss the biologic principles behind cutting-edge therapies that have been developed for the treatment of cystic fibrosis. Dr. Rendell is an associate professor at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine. He is an expert on airway epithelial biology with a particular focus on cystic fibrosis. Dr. Rendell, uh, thank you for joining us on the RCMB podcast. It's my pleasure, Mayor. Uh, so you just got back from the North American Cystic Fibrosis Conference. How was it? Well, it was actually about a month ago, October 18 to 20, at the Denver, Colorado Convention Center. And it, uh, the, the meeting is amazing. It uh, reflects the incredible growth of the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. The meeting now has hit over 5,000 as an attendance uh, mark. And the meeting covers so many disciplines. So we couldn't possibly be comprehensive, but I'd like to share uh, some highlights. Just a very quick background about the CF Foundation. The CF Foundation was created by parents of CF individuals many, many decades ago, and its growth has been enormous. The Foundation's model for venture philanthropy has been extraordinarily successful. And the advances in CF research and its translation to novel uh, therapies for CF individuals has been extraordinary. And all of this is reflected in the quality of, uh, of that meeting. As well, I would also let folks know that the CF Foundation's website is an extraordinary treasure trove of information for those that would like to uh, catch up. Sounds amazing. Yeah, so actually the CFTR is a transmembrane anion channel. It's thought to mainly uh, transfer uh, chloride and bicarbonate from uh, across the apical plasma membrane of affected epithelia. And uh, even though it's sort of a classic uh, recessive, autosomal recessive uh, genetic disease where two uh, parents are carriers and there's a Mendelian 25% chance of the offspring receiving both mutant copies of CFTR, uh, it's a complex disease with other genes modifying the ultimate phenotype but there are over 2,000 known mutations in that single CFTR gene. And this has very important uh, consequences on the disease phenotype and especially on treatment. So there are at least six, and others have proposed up to seven classes of CFTR mutations. Uh, class one is when no functional CFTR is created. And uh, this is typically due to a premature termination codon and also can be the consequence of some sl splicing mutations. And this affects uh, up to about 20% of CF individuals have at least one allele uh, that is a class one mutation. And this is very significant because the drug therapy for class one mutations is a much more difficult challenge than some of the other uh, mutation classes. The class two mutations of which the 
FDEL 508, the elimination of phenylalanine at position 508, is the most common CFTR mutation. And this class 2 mutation, CFTR protein is created, but the protein folds abnormally and doesn't get to the apical plasma membrane. Class 3 mutations are so-called gating mutations. These mutations of which G551D is a paradigm, the CFTR protein is made and transits to the apical membrane, but there's a defect in its ability to be activated. And this has been uh, the first very successful target. Uh, the drug Ivacaftor, you know, is able to activate this class 3 mutation, and this is the first of the very successful CFTR modulator drugs. Class 4 mutations, the protein is created and moves to the cell surface, but the function of the channel is faulty. Class 5 mutations, the protein is created and moves to the cell surface, but there isn't enough of the protein. There's insufficient quantities. And so-called class 6 mutations, and this is important because when the class 2 mutations are rescued, they actually become class 6 because they are less stable at the apical uh, plasma membrane. So the big news at the CF uh, meeting this year was the incredible success of so-called triple combination therapy. So a little bit of background. That FDEL508 mutation, the most common CFTR mutation, is effectively targeted by so-called corrector CFTR modulators. And the two uh, that are already on the market uh, are Simdeco and Orcambi. And these are the drugs either Lumacaftor or Tezacaftor combined with the CFTR channel activator, activator Ivacaftor. And these are reasonably effective and are approved, however, only for delta F homozygotes. So if you're heterozygote for delta F, the efficacy was not sufficient for FDA approval for these so-called double combination drugs. The amazing uh, result that was sort of first shared at the CF meeting and even more significantly, the four-week interim data of a recent phase three clinical trial was released just yesterday, is that these new triple combination drugs in which a new drug is added, there are two versions, added to the existing double combination, is that uh, the four-week data was that the percent predicted FEV1, the primary endpoint of the trial, had improved on the order of 10 to 14 percent, depending on if you were a delta F homozygote or heterozygote. So that is just amazing, amazing, and that will likely enable the CFTR corrector to now be extended to individuals that are heterozygous for the Delta F508 mutation. That is really exciting.
It, it really is because just imagine uh, that you know somebody, an individual with CF that's highly educated about their disease, and currently the you know double modulator is only approved for homozygotes, and the heterozygote would say, hey, if it would help me half as much, but then the physician has to inform them that it wouldn't be covered, you know, because it's not FDA approved. And this new drug could theoretically reach up to 90% of all CF individuals since it brings on the, um, the Delta F heterozygote. So we'll wait and see. There are additional clinical endpoints. The results were not yet revealed, but the primary endpoint results are extraordinarily promising. And so can you summarize the uh, types of mutations that the three classes act on? Yeah, so the triple, um, the triple combination is mainly directed towards the class two mutations and particularly the delta F. So this is where uh, there's the combination of so-called corrector, which would be the, uh, the new drugs, plus either Lumacaftor or Tezacaftor. Those are so-called CFTR correctors that promote the maturation of the misfolded Delta F CFTR nascent protein and its uh, transit to the apical plasma membrane. And the two drugs together seem to do this much more effectively than the initial drug. And then in both cases, of the existing double combination and the new triple combinations, these are combined with Ivacaftor, which is the CFTR potentiator. And this is the drug that for the G551D class three mutation resulted in uh, some of the greatest efficacy. So the hope is that the new triple combinations with the Delta F homozygotes and perhaps the heterozygotes will, will attain the level of efficacy similar to the effect of Ivacaftor in the class three G551D mutation. So, so does, that, does that mean that cystic fibrosis is cured or, or where are the new challenges now for the treatment of uh, yes. CF? That, that's a very good point. So the uh, impact of Ivacaftor on G551D individuals, and there are there are many studies. I should add that there were uh, two New England Journal reports about the triple uh, combinations, and there have been many studies examining the effect of Ivacaftor on the G551D population. And you know, for those individuals that have already sustained lung damage from cystic fibrosis. The, uh, the drugs are not going to reverse some of the major structural damage in the lungs. And those individuals uh, will still uh, retain uh, chronic infection, most likely. You will not eliminate it. As a matter of fact, the CFTR, the CF uh, pathogens are quite adept at adapting to the new environment even after uh, CFTR modulator therapy. And uh, that's an interesting point, and that's some um, uh, major take-home message from the CF uh, 
meeting this year was that there's a major focus on continuing to understand and develop treatments, uh, methods for detection, better understanding pathogenesis, and treatment of lung infections in CF. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a $100 million commitment to uh, research into CF infections uh, over the next five-year commitment. And so what do, you, what do you think the future is for CF research uh, in the next five to ten years? So uh, the, the CF Foundation, uh, because like the case I described where currently Delta F508 heterozygotes don't have effective treatments, those individuals with class one mutations are unlikely to benefit even from the triple combinations if they don't have a Delta F uh, mutation on their other allele. So these folks are being left out in the current uh, good news about CFTR modulator therapy. So there's a massive uh, commitment uh, to uh, finding treatments to help everyone with uh, CF. There's a, a renewed focus on CF gene therapy, uh, and then there's a sort of uh, major effort right now to uh, understand the prospects of finding a one-time cure for CF. And this is very futuristic, and examining the possibility of in vivo genetic manipulation to correct the CFTR mutation or possibly uh, cell therapy in which cells would be uh, removed from a CF individual or created by induced pluripotent stem cells, those cells corrected and re-instilled into the patient to deliver functional uh, CFTR to affected epithelia. So these are uh, major new commitments uh, that are backed up by funding opportunities. And again, the CF Foundation website is a rich source of information for those that are interested in these uh, new and evolving areas. The other uh, area for uh, progress and research interests is in inflammation and understanding the impact of inflammation on the CF, uh, especially lung phenotype, and whether or not inflammation can be effectively modulated to improve uh, the quality of life for CF individuals. And um, there's uh, been some recent success. There's uh, existing anti-inflammatory therapy, so high-dose ibuprofen is a proven uh, therapy for CF. However, there, it's, it's not highly utilized, but there may be new and evolving anti-inflammatory therapies in which we might not predict immediate changes in pulmonary function, but reductions in, uh, in exacerbation rates, which are quite important in CF, and also, uh, you know, effects of uh, 
the therapies on advanced imaging, such as imaging of mucociliary clearance and, and, and lung ventilation, and so more s sensitive tests, either through inhaled hyperpolarized gas or a sort of rediscovery of nitrogen washout uh, test for uh, heterogeneity of ventilation. And these are evolving areas uh, in uh, CF research and uh, clinical care. I would have to add that the meeting is so expansive and covers so many disciplines, we really couldn't uh, cover it all on this one uh, podcast. So I'd like to, uh, again, note that uh, many resources that are available for those that are interested on the CF uh, website, including uh, broadcasts of the plenary sessions that have been recorded. Sounds like a lot of progress, but still a long ways to go. Yeah, and especially uh, for the sort of more futuristic, it's important uh, approaches. It's important not to raise false hopes, although the ultimate goal is a one-time cure. Uh, you know, uh, CRISPR has been in the news. You know, uh, editing of the human genome, uh, even in... Uh, in adults is uh, being approached very cautiously and uh, is likely many years off, but it's a, an area that there's a strong commitment uh, to research. Dr. Rendell, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Mayor. Thank you for joining us on the ATS RCMB podcast. Tune in next time. We will learn more about today's biologic findings behind tomorrow's therapies for lung disease.